0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Awesome. Yeah, good to see Tim. I love Tim. He's a legend. Tim, I just felt the Lord want to speak something to him. Tim's a good man. The Bible says that Nathaniel, there was no guile in his heart. And uh, and Jesus spoke it even before he even met him. And that man under a tree, he said. And I, I just really feel tonight, Tim, that... The Lord wants to honour you in front of the people because He's pleased with your heart, the humbleness of your spirit. It says the Bible says the pure in heart, they shall see God. See, people get agendas in the heart, people get ambition in their heart, but you've just had a heart after God. So therefore you will see Him. You won't hear about Him through your parents and through others, you will see Him for yourself. And I believe the Lord would say to you, there's a new experience coming to your life. And what will happen in the secret place will be demonstrated in the public place, in the marketplace for the glory of God. I see God putting a great authority on your speaking not just at youth but in the church that you're going to have a confidence, you're going to step out where you haven't. When you read the Bible at home, God's going to give you revelation and download and it's going to happen inside of your heart first. So when you get up on the pulpit, it's something that's happened to you and it will flow through you to the people to encourage them because you will preach the Word in faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I believe today God is anointing your hands. He's putting a fresh fire in your mouth and in your heart. But the Lord says everything flows from you guard your heart for out of your heart flow the issues of life Lord I pray I speak at a new authority a new anointing Lord he would speak with faith and boldness for the glory of name Lord I pray as he speaks people will be saved as he speaks faith would be released as he speaks chains will be broken as his hearts, we give you all the glory we give you all the praise for this young man's heart after you in Jesus G- we speak a blessing upon him today for the glory of of your name and everyone said amen amen you can take your seats thanks team thanks worship team so good to be here at this church we love this church and uh we love pastor ross and mary joe and i have been friends ever since we moved to queensland in 2000 we saw the light left south australia followed the star in the sky and to bethlehem no and to brisbane and um and one of the first people we met in queensland was um Pastor Ross and Mary, and as they are, they're just infectious in their love, and you've got great pastors in your church. So pray for them on the holiday, so have get, come refresh back to take the church into the next chapter. And um, but you know, you're blessed to be part of a great church family, and, and I know many great days have been in this church, but who knows? The best days are always yet to come. And I want to just share with you a thought tonight. I shared this with our church earlier in the year, but I was praying on the way up here, you know, it's a three and a half hour drive, and one day they will pass Gympie, praise God. That bypass will come through. And um, But I want to talk to you about something I believe is one of the keys for us having a fulfilled Christian life. It's one of the keys for us to have a successful Christian life. It's one of the keys for a church family to walk in the destiny that God has got for us. And I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of kingdom timing timing is an amazing thing and you know what who's ever been too early who's ever been too late come on raise your hand timing has got to be perfect you can fish all day but if you're not at the right spot the right place at the right time all the fishermen said you won't catch any fish now i'm gonna be honest with you today one of the reasons i'm here tonight is pastor peter invited me to go fishing tomorrow I'll preach for you every second Sunday if I get an opportunity to go out that boat. No, that's not true. My wife would enjoy that. But timing is important. Well, You know what? I'm so glad I asked my wife to marry me on the right place at the right time in the right season. And thank God she said yes over 24 years ago. Timing is a very, very important thing. And I want to encourage you today. Many Christians I find at the moment are anxious about the future anxious what's going to happen because we've had so many changes in government changes in Prime Minister there's all kinds of crazy things happening in the world and I find anxiety is high Um, You know, interest rates are low, the economy, there's jobs, but there's always anxious, will I get laid off at work, what's going to happen with my superannuation and my savings, is there going to be a job for me when I graduate from high school, many Christians are anxious about the future, about family, about study, about employment, about buying a house, will I ever find a life partner, all these questions all come down to one thing, God's place, God's timing, right people, right place, right time. And I've found in life experience and in the Scriptures, God's timing is always perfect. My timing is quite often not perfect, but God's timing is perfect. And we can walk in His favour when we put Him first in our lives. You know this Scripture. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I'm telling you tonight, church, that God can do anything. Who believes that? All things are possible to Him and to those who believe. If God spoke the world into creation, I think He can add things into my life. If God spoke and created the sun, the moon and stars, the next day He created the earth, then He created the ocean, the living. If God can do that, I think He can pay for my school fees. If God did those kind of miracles when you read the Gospels, I think He can provide resource for me to get a job or a deposit for a house. God God can do miracles. Miracles are His very nature. What's hard for God to find is a generation that will seek Him first it's easy for God to add things to our life. God's a miracle God. He wakes up and has miracles for breakfast. But what's hard for God to find is a generation that will seek Him first. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. You see, every time I I seek God first, He keeps adding things to my life. He keeps adding. He added to me, you know, uh, so many blessings in my relationship. He added to me a wife. He's added to me wonderful kids. He's added to me a church. But it didn't, come because I went after those things it came because I sought first God in my life I want to tell you don't look for the blessings don't pray for them. seek first God and he will add favor and he will add blessing continually to your life can I have an amen, amen. I want to tell you tonight God's timing is always perfect but who he gets impatient come on raise your hand who's the impatient ones who goes to Woolworths and you're always in the line that takes the longest Well, the person can't find their credit card. That's me. I can't stand it. But you know what? I've realized I get impatient with God. I pray and I expect things to be done when I prayed it. But I've realized God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And His timing can often be different to our timing. You know, I want to tell you about this tonight is sometimes God's old and God's slow. He's the ancient of days, but He's always on time. And you know what, sometimes the Bible says to God a day is a thousand years and a thousand years today. So God's not working to our time frame. He's working to his time frame and he's the God of Abraham, he's the God of Isaac and he is the God of Jacob. He is the author and he's the finisher. He is the one who created time. He is over time and so many times we get impatient because we're seeing our life from our perspective but God's seeing it from a different perspective. But in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. That means he didn't come too early. He didn't come too late. He came right on time, perfect kingdom timing. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, I remember when I was at Bible college and I was studying a biblical history, we talked about when Jesus came, he came in perfect timing. He came into the world. The Son of God became the Son of Man in perfect timing in the human flesh. He said, how do you know that? Well, just look at some of the, the practical things. Before Jesus came, there, there was first the Greek, uh, the Greek civilization through the known world around the, the Mediterranean. What did the Greeks bring? They brought a common language of trade and education. They united all the different kingdoms around because everyone would speak Parthian or the language of the Medes, Or they'd speak uh, Persian or Farsi. But then they'd always say speak Greek was a second language because it was the language of trade and it was the language of education. And then after the Greek Empire came the Roman Empire and the Romans were good Italians. They came, they saw and they concreted. And they built roads right around from Spain through Italy all the way through Syria down through Lebanon and Israel, across Egypt, all the way across North Africa. You could travel anywhere. Anybody. And what also the Romans brought? They brought law and order. And who? And who was? The, and so when the Jesus died upon the cross, he came in the Perfect timing. They came at a time when everyone could speak the language of Greek. So when the church was birthed and the New Testament took off, guess what? When Paul wrote all his epistles, it was in Greek so all the known world could understand it. Not only that, when the missionaries begin to spread out from Jerusalem, especially Apostle Paul, who was a Roman citizen, he could travel protected by law to any parts of the Roman Empire on that incredible road system. I want to tell you today, Jesus came in the fullness of time. Jesus came in perfect timing so the gospel spread easily throughout the world because of God's perfect time I want to encourage you tonight in this church whatever season you face however impatient you may be right now with God God's timing is perfect for you one of the greatest frustrations for Christians have been around a while is that new Christians seem to have all their prayers answered immediately you know, I'm praying for 10 years for God to answer my prayer. And this new guy, we had this Muslim guy. He, he's at the University of Queensland. And he got saved middle of last year. And every week he had an answered prayer. He got converted to Christianity, got born again, spirit-filled. He came up, Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul, it's amazing, it's amazing. I got this grand radical thing. I got my visa through. He's like, this is a God thing. The visa agent said it couldn't happen. And here I am. Look, I got my piece of paper. I'm here permanently. And then he come the next week. Oh, Pastor Paul graduated and I got a job on the first day. God answered my prayer straight away. And then the next week at church, he goes, Pastor Paul, I got an apartment. Look at this. I got an apartment. God answered my third prayer. Then the fourth week, Pastor Paul, God's going to give me a wife. I said, has he yet? No. Just calm down, brother. But it's amazing how new Christians, because I believe in that new thing. But you know what? God wants us to grow in our maturity. Understand his timing is perfect. And if you can understand the principle of God's kingdom timing, you'll be a lot more happier through all the seasons of your life, the seasons when it's like it's winter and it's barren and the season like it's springtime and it's harvest. Let's look at Ecclesiastes tonight. I want to read this long passage to you, put up on the screen there from the New Living Translation. First one of chapter three says this, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to born and a time to die, a time to plant, And a time to harvest, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up, a time to cry, and a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to turn away, a time to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. This is a problem in our marriage. I'm the hoarder in our marriage. I keep everything. My wife is a minimalist. She throws everything out. Right now, she's going through my wardrobe. My favorite T-shirts are going to be gone, okay. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to love. And a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet, listen to this: yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. You see what it's saying there? You don't see your life from beginning to end, but God does. You just see your life right here, right now, in the middle of 2018 on this September weekend. But God sees your life from the beginning to the end, and God even sees it beyond the end. He sees it into eternity. He has planted turning the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy, enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are the gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear Him. What has happened now has happened before. And what has happened in the future has happened again. Because, listen, I love this. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. You know what, I believe right now we should be confident as Christians. Let not fear come into your heart. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love and a sound. I love that last part of the verse. He says, what's happened now has happened before. And what's happened before has happened again. And God makes the same things happen over and over again. I get these people on television and Christian blogs and they're all saying, oh, that's the end of the world. It's so bad. No, it's not. We're living in the best time ever on the planet. Imagine living in the 1930s in the middle of the Great Depression when 35% of every Australians were out of work. Or maybe you went through the World War II generation, I'm telling you. Or imagine living in the Middle Ages, I'm telling you we're living in the best time. This isn't the worst time. This is an amazing time. Let's not live in fear. God's timing is perfect. God's kingdom timing is powerful. You think of some of the characters in the Bible, there's the life of Joseph. As a teenager, he has a credible dream about his future and he tells everyone about it. He wasn't ready to receive the dream. He wasn't ready to fulfill the dream, but he told everybody about the dream. And you know what happened? His brothers hated him for it. They betrayed him. Some of them wanted to kill him. One of his brothers sold him off to be a slave. He's done nothing wrong. He's innocent, but just share his dream. And you know the story. Potiphar buys him as a slave. He serves in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's house is blessed because of Joseph's sake. After all, there's so much favour and blessing in Potiphar's house. Potiphar lets Joseph do anything and everything besides be with his wife. But his wife has eyes for Joseph. And she wants it comes again and again and again to sexually seduce Joseph. And Joseph said, I cannot do it. How could I sin? Not against Potiphar, but how could I sin against God who sees everything? And so he takes off, and she takes. She falsely accuses him of sexual assault. He finds himself in prison. If that was me, I'd be whinging and complaining. God, I was innocent. My brothers did this. I was innocent. Part of his wife said that. He's not whinging and complaining. He uses his gift for God in the prison. He's an administrator, he's a bureaucrat, he's a manager. He goes, hey, you prison guards, go out and watch the Big Bash on the Cricket Channel. I'm going to start here and run the prison. And he uses these gifts and talents even in the worst season of his life. There's no whinging, there's no complaining. He's like, well, God, I'm in the prison now. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to live my life as worship unto you. And then he interprets the dream of the baker and the cupbearer. He says, please don't forget me. And you know what? They forget him. Years later, the cupbearers before the pharaoh. And he said, of these dreams i can't understand it and the goes, oh no that's right three years ago i promised to get joseph out of prison hey pharaoh there's a guy can interpret dreams and you know what happens he interprets pharaoh's dream and he goes from prisoner to prime minister in one day a couple of years later his father comes down and falls before him with his brothers and the dream is fulfilled but from the day of the dream to the fulfillment of the dream was 40 years God's timing is perfect. As a teenager, he couldn't be the prime minister of Egypt, but he had to go through the experiences of life and grow. God's kingdom timing in Joseph's life is perfect, but God's kingdom timing in your life is perfect. Don't try and resist the season you're in. Embrace it, because if you don't face it and overcome this season, God will just send another season like it in 80 months' time with different people and different faces, but the same issue that you need to overcome in your life. Can I have an amen? God's kingdom timing is power. Think of David, anointed by King Samuel as a young teenager to be the king of Israel. What do you have to do? Go back and look after the sheep. No one knows who he is, just plain worship, writing songs, looking after a few sheep out there. But when he's learning out there, In the place of insignificance, no one knows. He's learning how to shepherd a small flock so one day God can use him to be the shepherd of the whole nation of Israel. He defeats his Goliath but he's still not ready. Even though the people are singing, Saul slayed his thousands but David slays his tens of thousands and even then he has to go and play worship for the king. He has to be a servant in the king's house but he's anointed to be king. But it's not his time. What was he doing when he was serving in the king's house? He was observing the king's behaviour and how royalty should live because before that he was just a shepherd boy and even then, after then, the king got jealous. He had to flee on the run for not just a couple of weeks, for. For years the king was trying to kill him, King Saul, until finally decades later, God appoints him to be king of Israel. Was he anointed to be king? Yes, from a teenager. But he wasn't ready. He wanted to be king. But God says you're not ready yet because God's kingdom timing is perfect. And it's perfect for your life. You can read about so many people in the Bible, Daniel, Peter, Paul, Esther. I want to encourage you today. God's kingdom timing is perfect. When we took over a church in Western Brisbane, there was a young youth pastor there. His name was Sanjay. He's Indian. After about a year, I said, how are you going, Sanjay? Working for me. He goes, I'm loving it, Pastor Paul. I said, what do you want to, what's the dream of your life? He said, I want to plant a church in India. I said, that's fantastic. I want to plant a church in India too. Let's do it. He goes, can we do it next year? I said, no way. You're not ready. He goes, what? I'm ready, man. I'm passionate. i got energy. To, we can do this. thing." He said, no, you're not ready yet. I said, you think planting your church in Queensland's hard? Wait till you go to a country where they worship four million gods. And there's Islam and Hinduism and it's in your face. You need to have a higher level of spiritual authority. And so sure enough, you know, each year uh, after year, he, he, did, he ran the youth group. Then he ran the kids' church. Then he was involved in running some young adults. Then he started the Bible college principal. Then he was a campus pastor. Then he started a second campus. And, and 11 years later, I said, Sanjay, I think you're ready. He goes, I think I'm ready too. They went there eighteen months ago with their wife his wife and three kids and that church has exploded they didn't know one person when they went to Mumbai a city of 23 million people to church over a year later, it's got about 100 young adults in it they've had Hindus get saved, they've had Muslims come born again, they've had some amazing miracles, he said Paul, back when I was a youth pastor I didn't have the spiritual authority or the experience or the depth to my life to handle the pressures of living in this crazy, but right now it's the right place at the right time there was many times he was frustrated, I could see he didn't like some of the jobs he was doing for me in the church, but I said Sanjay, it's all preparation for a better day and two you are ready. You see sometimes we've got a time frame but God's kingdom timing is perfect and there's some people here today, good people, you're frustrated with God. Some of you are even angry with God. Some of you say how come you haven't worked to my plan but I want to encourage you God's timing is perfect. Galatians 6 9 says let us not get tired of doing what is good for at the right time at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I want to encourage people here today Delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. There's people here believing for unsaved kids that come back to the Lord. Delay is not denial. God's got them in His sight. You just keep on praying. You just keep on believing. You just keep on loving on those people. You know what? God's timing is perfect. I want to quickly give you some keys tonight they are going to help you in your Christian walk in the area of kingdom timing. If you're taking down some notes, write this down. Number one is this. Some people are so future focused they're paralyzed for today let me say this again some people are so future focused they are paralyzed for today ever met a total dreamer lost in the future but right now they're not earthly good to anybody i had a guy in my church he's about 19 or 20 he goes i'm going to be a missionary i said that's awesome he says yeah i said can you serve on the ushering team frontline team no no Can you serve in the kids' church? No, no, I'm I'm preparing myself. I'm just waiting for God to call me to the mission field. I'm like, well, can you do something right here? No, 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 no. I'm just so focused. He's so focused on the future. He didn't want to do anything right here. And how can he grow? If David said, well, you know, I can't look after these sheep, Dad, because I'm called to be the king of Israel. Well, if he doesn't do the small thing, how can he be trusted with the large thing? That guy's still sitting in my church waiting for God to call him to be a missionary and he's still doing nothing. Yeah, other people have served in kids church and the ushering team and the car park team and I've sent them to the nations. I want to tell you today, some people are so future focused, they are paralyzed for today. Don't just focus on the destination. God wants you to enjoy the journey along the way. God's interested not just where you're going to get to, but who you become on the journey. Now, who likes who's a goal person? Come on, raise your hand those gold kind of people out there i'm one of those kind of people well I, all my life i love i love road trips but i play back in the days when before you had google maps you had a thing called a map book anyone on tour anyone on 40 understand what i'm saying it's a book and you had the greatest fights in your marriage over those map books you know turn to a8 turn page 34 but now it's just another woman screaming at you called google maps anyway and um but, 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 but I, I would love. I, I lived in Adelaide for 10 years, and I, I would drive back to my parents' house in Country Victorian, and I, every, I'd, I'd probably do that trip five or six times a year, and it started in the first year about 11 hours, but over the years, I perfected that journey, that I could do it in seven hours and 45 minutes. It was amazing. I loved the journey. And at one time, we decided that we'd go from Brisbane to Sydney for a holiday, and I'd worked it out and I had my comm at the time, that it was going to take me 11 hours and 30 minutes to get to Parramatta from Brisbane, my house. I worked out where we were going to do the stops. First one was going to be Ballina. I worked out where we need. Because, you know, my kind of, my kind of travel is we, we run until it gets empty. We fill up the fuel said go for a pee, get yourself a chocolate bar and a Coke. Let's go, keep going. There's it's no messing around. And the problem was I'd worked all this out. My wife had come on and said, this is a great idea. But I, one thing I didn't calculate was Joe was eight months pregnant. So we start flying down towards the Gold Coast. We're 45 minutes into the trip, and Joe goes, I need to go to the toilet. So, no, you don't. No, you don't. You got three and a quarter hours till we get to Ballon. and she goes, "No, no, I'm telling you right now, I've got to go to the toilet." I said, no, no. So we argue for about fifteen minutes. Finally, on the outskirts of the Gold Coast, uh, near Dreamworld, I stop off at Narang there, and she goes to the bathroom, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm starting to get anxious and angry. My time I'm thinking we well, waste ten minutes doing this. Ten minutes. We're never going to get to Parramatta in the right time. So then I keep driving, and then we get to just across the border near Kingscliff, and she goes, "I've got to the bathroom." I said, "No, you don't." She goes, "Yes, I do." And I'm like, "No," and I'm, she, and I'm like, "I'm starting to get," "Don't you speed? Don't you speed?" So we get in a letter, I and am, I am smiling on the outside, but I am furious on the inside. I am angry. I am. She comes back into the car, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to make up time. She said, No, no, just do the speed limit. So we're driving along there, and, and then at about Ballina, we're supposed to be the first stop. She's going to do it. And now, by now, I am smiling the outside, but I am raging on the inside because I've got a plan. I've got a destination to keep. We're going to get to the destination. She gets into the car, and she says this thing to me. She said, We're not putting it on the car yet. So what are you talking about? She goes, you know what? It's going to take a long time to get to Parramatta. I know you've planned it out to get there in 11 hours and 44 minutes, whatever it is. but I'm telling you it's going to take a lot longer. But you have the honor and you have the privilege maybe for the next 15, 16, 17, 18 hours of sitting next to me, your incredible wife. <laughs> she said, you can choose to do it with a good attitude and have an enjoyable time or you can be frustrated and angry just thinking, oh, I've got to get to the destination. I hate it when she's right. And I had to just change my attitude because it's not destination. It's about enjoying the journey. And some of you are angry and frustrated at God, but He's more interested about who you become on the journey, not just about the destination of when you get there. What are you doing right now with your life? It may not be your ultimate destination. You may not be living in the ultimate house, having the ultimate job that you want. But I'm telling you, God's doing something within you. Embrace the season that you're in. Because God's not, yeah, He'll get you to the destination. But He's more in concern about who you become on the journey. I remember as 11 years of age, I was sitting in the second ever Youth Alive rally, Mel Fletcher was leading the worship on a grand piano in a white suit that's a long time ago at youth live and as 11 an year old kid 300 people there second ever youth live minister I thought well wow. I felt the Holy Spirit say one day you're going to lead this organization I'm like wow that's amazing well, you know, I grew up and I then went to South Australia and I was working in Youth Alive there for many, many years and about 11 years and I thought maybe I'd become the Youth Alive Director of South Australia. And then, then I got asked, God spoke to us to come to Brisbane and we're at Garden City the Youth Pastors and, and I thought, well, that's never going to happen. And, and I remember it was nearly 20 something years later and I got rung up and said, would you become the Queensland Youth Alive Director? And then I became the National Youth Alive Because some things you think, wow, when God speaks a revelation, it's easy and it's exciting. But working that through in your life is another journey. Just ask Joseph. The second thing, first thing, some people are so future focused, they are paralyzed for today. Second thing, some people are so now focused, they have no vision for their future. The book of Proverbs states that without a vision, people perish. The book of Proverbs states without a vision, people dwell carelessly. Without a vision, they cast off restraint. We are living in this generation right now. We're living in a generation plagued with this mentality. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so let's party on now. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so let's, let's just live it up for today. We should, be, we should be planning like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but we also should be planning like Jesus won't come back for another thousand years. We get young people, I don't know if I'm going to get a job, I, don't, I shouldn't even say to buy a house, I'm just going to tour around the world, find myself. you find yourself right here. We've got old people spending all their inheritance because, well, who knows what's going to happen? Let's get that Winnebago, baby. Let's go. Grey nomads around Australia. Oh, I'm saying those things can be good, but listen to me this. Because sometimes people dwell carelessly because they have no vision for their future. You know, I've seen married couples in my church. They're teenagers on fire for Jesus, young adults on fire for Jesus. They meet in the church, they get connected in the church. We marry them in the church. And then suddenly when they get married, they stop coming to church. The highlight of their life used to be, let's save this generation for Jesus. Now the highlight of their life is going to Bunnings and buying a letterbox on the weekend. (laughs) I want to tell you, some people are so now focused, they have no vision for their future. God has a plan for your life. Come on, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. When I was in Adelaide working as a young pastor, this awesome guy on our staff, he was retired pastor. His name was Pastor Tommy Evans. He was just a gun guy. And uh, he would come to youth on Friday night and we'd say, Why are you coming here, Pastor Tommy? Because I love it. I said a bit loud, he goes, doesn't matter, I'm deaf anyway. And we'd say, Pastor Tommy, shouldn't you go to the scene? He goes, No, there's old people there. He was 80, okay? And uh, he just loved action and he was an inspiring character. And, and uh, when he was in his mid-80s, the doctor diagnosed said, Your cataracts are so bad, within six months you're gonna be uh, sorry, 12 months you're gonna be blind. We can't operate on your eyes. And so you're just going to have to slow down, Pastor Tommy, and you have to change your lifestyle. He said, well, I can't. I keep preaching every Sunday. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm planning a church in 10 and tending No, no, you've got to slow down, Pastor Tommy. Well, I love this. He's got vision always for the future. So at 80, I think it was 80, to learn Braille. So we could keep on reading his Bible, and keep on preaching the gospel, even though he knew he was going to go blind by the end of the year. See, you can have vision for the future if you're 81. A vision for the future, is something because God's kingdom timing is perfect. Hebrews 11:6 is with and without, with and and it is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who wants to come to Him, must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. I want to encourage you today. Whether you're 15 or you're 85, God's got vision. God's got things for your future. Uh, one of my staff members last year told me this hilarious story about his family. His Great-grandmother lived two suburbs over, and she was 91. And she rang him and said, Matt, can you come and help me buy a new TV? My TV's blown up. I love watching the cricket. It's nearly cricket season. I want a big flat-screen TV. So like, sure, great-grand. And so he takes his great-grand down there, and he says, he's at Harvey Norman, and there's this 17-year-old kid with pimples on his face trying to sell her the big 70-inch TV, flat-screen. But he's trying to sell her the five-year extended warranty. He said, I didn't want to insult my grandma, but she was 91. And I don't think she really needed the five-year warranty. so I said, Grant, it comes with a 12-month warranty. Do you really want to pay an extra 180 dollars for the five-year extended warranty? She said, in the middle of Harvey Norman, she went off her face at me and said, Matt, I want the five-year extended warranty. Well, last year, she died at 99. She had vision for the future. She wanted the five-year extended warranty on the flat-screen TV. Don't just focus on the now. God's got vision for your future. Third thing is this. Firstly, let's not be so future-focused that we're paralyzed for the now. Secondly, let's be not so now-focused that we have no vision for the future. Third thing about kingdom timing, some people are so focused on the past, they miss the now opportunity some people are so focused on the past they miss the now opportunity the the, the people of israel were like that they're so stuck in the history of their nation looking for the messiah that when he came before them they couldn't see him because he was in a different form than the past i want to encourage you today don't just don't just don't just rely on your past experiences of god to mold your future allow on the truth of god Because there's new opportunities every day for you to encounter God afresh. You can open up this Bible for the next 365 days of this year and of next year and the year after and you still get something different God will speak to you about. God's a God of new days, new opportunities and new things. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, mind has not conceived what God has planned for those who love Him. But people miss God's kingdom timing all the time because they're stuck in the past of hurt or unforgiveness or offense, or sin is so stuck in their life, or past failures, they can't get past 1996 when the husband left them and they're so broken on the inside. They haven't asked God. God has not yet healed them. And so they, every time God says, I've got a new opportunity, they can't because of the brokenness of the part. Or maybe because of past failures. Every time God speaks to them to take a step forward into a new opportunity, the devil reminds you of your past failure. But I want to tell you today, God wants to break that in your life. Because God doesn't want you to be stuck in a past year, 2007 when that happened, or 1996 when that happened, or 1972, that was the last time God spoke to you. I'm telling you, God's got new things to do. Some people are so focused on the past, they miss the now opportunity. I want to encourage you today, God's speaking now. God's timing is now Philippians three twelve says this I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me what is the apostle Paul saying I was saved you were saved for a purpose no dear brothers and sisters I have not achieved it but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I want to encourage you Christians, some things are good to remember, but some things we need to choose to forget. If you come to my lounge room or my house, there's pictures of my wedding day. There's There's Christmas photos of us all as a family together. You don't walk into my house and see the car crash I had in 1997 when I nearly died. There's my Nissan Bluebird crumpled under a truck on the wall. People don't have photos. This is the day I got divorced. Look at this, what a awesome day that was. But some Christians frame not the good moments of their lives. They frame the bad moments of their lives. Some things are good to remember. Some things as Christians, we need to choose to forget and release. If you're still hanging on to something in the past, you can't close that door so your hands aren't free to open a new door in God. Sometimes you've got to release some hurts and brokenness of the past so your hands are free to receive something new from God. The fourth thing about kingdom timing is this. Everything we do now is preparation for tomorrow's destiny. My dad was a school teacher. I grew up in a country town, 2,000 people, 10,000 cows. I would travel 40 minutes to another city, shepherd and about 30,000 people and go to high school. And my dad was always the one that came in debating team, student council. He's just one of those guys, get involved, learn something. And I just got sick and tired of that stuff. And one time I got a special invite from the principal to be part of this program. And I threw it in the round filing cabinet, the bin. My dad walked in after school, he taught at another school and said, oh Paul, this looks like a fantastic opportunity. I said, dad, I don't want to do it, it's just a lot of mumbo jumbo. He goes, it looks excellent. Actually, four times a year, you get to go to Melbourne with all these other students from Country Victoria on the train and spend three days at Monash University. I'm thinking, free trip to Melbourne, I'm in. And, uh, and so sure enough, the next year I, went on, I became part of the participation and equity program for Victoria. And so all these four times a year, all these kids from country high schools would come down to Melbourne on the train and we'd have three days together and we had this big talk fest of how we could make education better for regional cities and it was a great time. And, and at the end of the year, I got a coloured photocopy certificate, green, saying Paul Gilling completed successfully the participation equity program 1984 and it went in the filing cabinet with all the other things you get you know years later years later uh, i've just finished bible college in adelaide and my principal comes and says paul there's a new thing i want you to do it was 1990. He said, uh, there's a chaplaincy program across the road in the high school. And, and they've only ever had Anglican Uniting Church chaplains in, in South Australia, you could be the first Pentecostal chaplain. I don't want to be a chaplain. I was like 18 years of age, 19 years of age, just done one year of Bible college. He said, Paul, this could be an incredible opportunity for you to minister into our community. And so he said, would you pray about it? So I prayed about it. I felt God say yes. So I did up a resume. Back in those days, who's ever put together a resume? And uh, when you're 18, there's not much to put in it. So I had to finish year 12. Done a diploma at Bible college, and I'm trying anything first aid certificates, football photos. I'm going through this file trying to make this CV look a little bit better. And finally, I see this participation equity, put that in there. And so I go to the interview, and the interview is the person from Scripture Union, the principal of the school was a non Christian, and then an Anglican priest and a Catholic father. And straight away, when the Catholic priest saw me, he goes, Oh, that guy's too young. The interview started badly and went down badly from there. It just started going down, 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 down. And then, you know, the Anglican priest is saying, Well, how much? What's your educational level have you studied at university he said no um he says okay and and then you know and the, you know when an interview is not going well i'm thinking i'm never going to get this job my, the anglican priest goes oh there's spelling mistakes in your resume I'm like oh darn it back then i had an electric typewriter we're talking old days okay and uh and i'm freaking out and and then finally the principal who's not a christian's looking through my CV and goes Wang, what is this so what do you mean she goes did you were you part of the participation in equity program I said, oh, I love that program. It was incredible. It changed my life. She goes, you know, in the state of South Australia, I ran this program for five years in the state for the education department. I loved it. We bring down all the country kids from all the country high schools here to Adelaide. And we had this big talk fest. And we talk about how we can improve. I said, oh, I love that program. I was such a supporter. I, here's my And she goes, and she turns to the Anglican priest and the Catholic priest, turns the scripture and says, on this alone, I'm employing him right here, right now. And she gave me the job on the spot. I was 18 years of age. I was the first Pentecostal chapel in South Australia. You see, everything we do now is preparation for our future. So I want to encourage you today, do it well, what you're doing now because if you don't do it well, God of your life. People say you're a great pastor Paul. You can speak to people. You're always comfortable with young people. And old people. I want to tell you why I'm that that is because for 10 years of my life, every Friday night, every Saturday, all through the mornings of the week, I would work in my dad's small business in a country town, serving customers, talking to people. I learned all my pastoral skills and my budgetary skills from working in my dad's business. I'm telling you everything we do now God's going to use for preparation for his future. So whatever you're doing the bible says well do it with all your might can other musicians please come joseph didn't know he was going to be prime minister but if he didn't work with a good attitude in potiphar's house if he didn't work with a good attitude in the prison how could he ever get to the right place and lastly kingdom timing is this right time right place right person right attitude ever been in the right place At the right time and the right thing happened. Who's ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people and bad things happen? I want to tell you, God will bring the right people and the right relationship in your life at the right time. God's the ultimate networker. But attitude is so important to fulfill your life. And Christ had the greatest attitude. The Bible says he did not seek heaven. He forsake it. And Philippians 2, to become a servant here on earth. And we must have the same attitude that Christ had. That he did not think equality of God, but he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave. And therefore he humbled himself, obedience to God, to death upon the cross. Therefore, because of this attitude, God elevated him to the place of the highest honour. And God the Father gave him a name that's above any other name. That one day, in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess. If you have a heart of servanthood, the right heart of attitude, God will elevate you. God will elevate you in the workplace. God will elevate you in the kingdom. It comes out of a right heart attitude. And I want to encourage you tonight. I don't know what's in, but all I know is this: is God is just. God never said He was fair. But he's just. And God's timing is perfect. This Bible is filled with lives affected by the timing of God. And you're no different. These are ordinary people in here connected to a supernatural God that did extraordinary things. In the book of Jeremiah, close with this. God says to Jeremiah, walk down to the potter's house. And he says, I am the potter, you are the clay. The problem is... potter and god be the clay god i want you to do this for me right here right now one day i was complaining to god god you haven't done this in my life and you haven't done this in my life and god said did you die on the cross did you rise again for the sins of all humanity do i have to consult you about your life paul i am god you are paul i'm like sorry lord i humble myself (laughs) have i ever let you down paul no have i always been faithful yes but we've got to trust god because he commands the seasons. So Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house. He watches the pottery process. In year nine, I forgot to put in my request form for subjects, so I didn't get to do computers. It was needlework or pottery. So I chose pottery. But I actually learned a lot. You get the mud, you knead it, you put it on the wheel, you build it up. Don't like it, break it down. Build it up. Oh, I think I should have a vase. No, break it down. Then they dry it out, gets left on the shelf for a couple of weeks. Then it gets put in the fire, the kiln. Then it gets dried out again. Who hates, I hate being left on the shelf. I hate it when I feel God's forgotten me. I hate it when God puts me in the fire because then they paint it with glaze and then they put it in the fire again until it comes out strong as God created to be. What does the Bible say? We are His workmanship. We are His masterpieces. But you know what? God knows you better than you know yourself. And God loves you too much for you to stay the same. So His timing is perfect. Would you bow your head and close your eyes today in this place? Firstly, tonight, before I pray for Christians, I want to pray for people that maybe don't know Jesus as their friend and saviour. Maybe they've never invited Him in their heart. I want to pray for you tonight because God... God loves you. In fact, if you were the only person on planet Earth who died on the cross and rose again just for you, He knows your name. Or maybe tonight, you're a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. You once were in a relationship with God, but you're now a million miles away from Him. God's knocking on the door of your heart saying, I desire relationship and friendship with you. And you say, well, how do I become a Christian? You just say a prayer. What's praying? Praying just having a conversation with God. So you say tonight, Pastor Paul, I'd like to begin a friendship with God. I'd like to have my sins forgiven, my shame taken away. Pastor Paul, I once was following God but I'm a million miles, I'm a prodigal son I'm a prodigal daughter, I'm a million miles away from him God loves you today, he doesn't reject you his arms are waiting, embracing to receive you in, in fact I drove 400 kilometres just to pray this prayer with you tonight so with every head bowed and every eye closed I say, Pastor Paul, would you pray with me I want to know this Jesus in my life and in my heart, Pastor Paul, would you pray with me, I'm away from God, I need to get my life right with him The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, it would be my honour and privilege to pray with you tonight. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want me to pray with you tonight to receive Jesus in your heart or to get your life right with God. It would be my honour and privilege to pray with you tonight. You say, Paul, would you pray with me? On the count of three, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? One, two, three. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.